Book Eight, Chapter Five of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Five. An Agreeable Hearing. Early the next morning Camilla went to the hotel in the carriage of Mrs. Burlington, eluding, though not without difficulty, the company of Mrs. Mitten. She found the party all in good spirits. Indiana, in particular, was completely elated, joined to the admiration she believed awaiting her in this large and fashionable town. She now knew she might meet there the only person who had ever excited in her youthful and nearly vacant breast any appropriate pleasure superadded to the general zest of being adored she did not indeed think of marrying any one who could not offer her a coach and four but so little was she disturbed by thinking at all that the delight of being adulated by the man she preferred carried with it no idea of danger eugenia too soothed with the delusions of her romantic but innocent fancy flattered herself she might now see continually the object she conceived formed for meriting her ever reverential regard and miss margland was importantly occupied upon affairs best suited to her taste and ancient habits in deliberating how first to bring forth her fair charge with the most brilliant effect camilla was much embarrassed how to parry an introduction to mrs burlington upon which all the females built as the foundation of their southampton prosperity the young ones already informed she was the sister of melmond languishing to know her for his sake and miss margland formerly acquainted with the noble family of her husband being impatient to resume her claims in similar circles but an awkward beginning apology was set aside by the entrance of edgar and dr marchmont indiana now poured forth innumerable questions upon what she might look forward to with respect to balls and public places eugenia asked nearly as many concerning the buildings antiquities and prospects and miss margland more than either relative to the company their genealogies and connections the two doctors soon sat aloof conferring upon less familiar matters but edgar only spoke in reply and camilla uttered not a word soon after a voice on the stairs called out oh never mind shewing me the way if i come to a wrong room i'll go on till i come to a right and the next minute young lindmer sallied into the apartment i could not get to you last night cried he and i can only stay a moment now i have a pretty serious business upon my hands so if you can give me any breakfast don't lose time miss margland willing to please the brother of indiana readily ordered for him whatever the inn would afford of which he failed not heartily to partake saying i have met with a good comic sort of adventure here already guess what it is indiana complied but his own wish to communicate was so much stronger than that of any one to hear that before she could pronounce three words he cried well if you're so excessive curious i'll tell it you i'm engaged in a duel indiana screamed miss margland echoed her cry eugenia who had looked down from his entrance 
raised her eyes with an air of interest. Camilla was surprised out of her own concerns, and Edgar surveyed him with an astonishment not wholly unmixed with contempt. But the two doctors went on with their own discourse. "'Nay, nay, die, don't be frightened. Tis not a duel in which I am to fight myself. I am only to be second. But suppose I were first. What signifies? These are things we have in hand so often we don't think of them.' "'La, brother, you don't say so,' cried Indiana. "'La, how droll!' He then pretended that he would tell nothing more. Camilla inquired if he had seen Mr. Westwin whom she had met with the preceding day. "'Not I, Faith, but that's apropos enough, for it's his son that has asked me to be his account.' "'Oh, poor good old Mr. Westwin!' cried Camilla, now much interested in this history. "'And can you not save him such a shock? Can you not be mediator instead of second? He seems so fond of his son.' "'Oh, as to him it's no matter.' He's such a harsh old hunks. I shall be glad to have him worked a little. I've often wanted to pull him by the nose, myself. He takes such liberties with me. But did you ever hear of such a fool as his son? He deserves to be badgered as bad as his father. He's going to fight with as fine an honest fellow as ever I met with, for nothing at all, absolutely nothing. Dear, how droll, said Indiana. "'But why can you not interfere?' cried Camilla. "'Poor Mr. Westwin will be made so unhappy if any evil befalls his son.' "'Oh, faith as to him. He may take it as he will. I shan't trouble my head about him. He has made free enough with me. I can assure you it's only to have him out of the way that the business is put off till noon.' It was to have been in the morning, but the old tyrant took it into his pate to make poor Henry, who is one of your good ones, and does nothing to vex him on purpose, ride out with him. He has promised, however, to get off by twelve o'clock, when four of us are to be at a certain spot that I shan't name. Camilla again began to plead the merits of the father, but Indiana more urgently demanded the reason of the combat. "'I dare say, brother, they fight about being in love with somebody. "'Don't they, brother? Now, do tell me.' "'Not a whit. It's for a girl he don't care a straw for, "'and never saw but once in his life, "'and don't care a farthing if he never sees again.' "'Dear, how droll, brother! "'I thought people always fought about being in love with somebody they wanted to marry, "'and never but when she was excessive pretty.' Oh, faith, marriage seldom deserves a fighting match. But as to being pretty, that's all Harry has in his excuse, so he pretends she is as divine as an angel. Dear, well, and don't you know anything more than that about it? No, nor he neither. He only saw her at a bathing-house, where a fine jolly young buck was paying her a few compliments that she affected not to like and presently in a silly dispute whether she was a girl of character they had a violent quarrel and harry was such a fool as to end it with a challenge at the words of bathing-house the blood forsook the cheeks of camilla with sudden personal alarm but it mounted high into them again upon hearing the nature of the dispute 
though yet again it sunk and left them wholly pallid at the brief and final conviction she was the sole cause of this duel and upon so disgraceful a dispute the emotions of edgar though less fearful were not less violent nor painful that camilla should be the subject of any challenge was shocking but of such a one he thought a dishonour yet to prevent and with the least publicity its effect was the immediate occupation of his mind a short pause ensued broken presently by clermont who looking at his watch suddenly jumped up and calling out faith i shall be too late was capering out of the room but the shame of camilla in the disgrace was overpowered by her terror of its consequences and starting up and clasping her hands oh cousin oh clermont she cried for heaven's sake stop this affair clermont satisfied that a sufficient alarm was raised to impede the transaction without any concession on his part declared himself bound in honour to attend the appointment and in extreme seeming haste and earnestness walked off stopping however when he came to the door not to listen to the supplications of his cousin but to toss off a fresh cup of chocolate which a waiter was just carrying into the next room camilla now her face varying in colour twenty times in a minute and her whole frame shaking while her eyes were cast conscious and timid on the floor approached edgar and saying this young man's father is my dear uncle's friend burst into tears edgar fully dissolved took her hand pressed it to his lips besought her in a low voice to dismiss her apprehensions in the confidence of his most ardent exertions and again kissing her hand with the words too oh far too dear camilla hastened after linmere affected in a thousand ways she dropped weeping upon a chair should the duel take place and any fatal consequences follow she felt she should never be happy again and even should it be prevented its very suggestion from so horrible a doubt of her character seemed a stain from which it could never recover the inconsiderate facility with which she had wandered about with a person so little known to her so underbred and so forward appeared now to herself inexcusable and she determined if but spared this dreadful punishment to pass the whole of her future life in unremitting caution eugenia with the kindest sympathy and indiana and miss margland with extreme curiosity sought to discover the reason of her emotion but while begging them to dispense with an explanation old mr westwin was announced and appeared the horrors of a culprit the most cruel as well as criminal seemed instantly the portion of the self-condemned camilla and as he advanced with cheerful kindness to inquire after her health his ignorance that all his happiness through her means was that moment at stake pierced her with a suffering so exquisite that she uttered a deep groan and sunk back upon her chair an instant's recollection brought her more of fortitude though not of comfort and springing up and addressing though not looking at mr westwin who was staring at her with astonishment and concern where sir she cried is your son if you have the least knowledge which way he is gone which way he may be traced 
pursue and force him back this moment immediately my son repeated the good old gentleman wanting no other word to participate in any alarm what hal westwin follow him seek him send for him and do not a single instant lose sight of him all day my dear young lady what do you mean i'll send for him to be sure if you desire it but what makes you so good as to think about my son did you ever see my son do you know my son do you know hal westwin don't ask now dear sir secure him first and make what inquiries you please afterwards mr westwin in evident consternation walked out camilla herself opening the door but turning back in the passage strongly said if the boy has been guilty of any misbehavior i won't support him i don't like misbehavior it's a bad thing i can't take to it oh no no quite the contrary exclaimed the agitated camilla he is good kind generous i owe him the greatest obligation and i desire nothing upon earth so much at this moment as to see him and to thank him the old gentleman's eyes now filled with tears and coming back and most affectionately shaking hands with her i was afraid he had misbehaved he cried but he was always a good lad and if he has done anything for the niece of my dear sir hugh tyrrell i shall hug him to my heart and then in great but pleased perturbation he hurried away saying to himself as he went i'll take him to her to be sure i desire nothing better god bless her if she can speak so well of my poor hal she must be the best girl living and she shall have him yes she shall have him if she's a mind to him and i don't care if she isn't worth a groat she's nice to my old friend that's better camilla speeding but not hearing him returned to her seat yet could not answer one question from the horrors of her fears and her shame of the detail of the business when the breakfast was over miss margland desired every one would get ready to go to the lodgings and with indiana repaired herself to visit them and give general orders dr marchmont had glided out of the room in anxiety for edgar to the great dissatisfaction and almost contempt of dr orkborne with whom he was just discussing some controverted points upon the shield of achilles which that he could quit for the light concerns of a young man added again to his surmises that though he had run creditably the usual scholastic race his reputation was more the effect of general ability and address than of such sound and consummate learning as he himself possessed ruminating upon the ignorant injustice of mankind in suffering such quacks in literature and philology to carry the palm of fame he went to his chamber to collect from his bolster and bedside the hoard of books and papers from which the preceding night he had disencumbered his coat waistcoat and greatcoat pockets inside and out to review before he could sleep and which now were again to encircle him to facilitate their change of abode but eugenia would not quit her afflicted sister who soon in her gentle breast deposited the whole of her grief her apprehensions and her plans charging her instantly to retire if edgar should return that whatever might be the event he should unfold she might release him immediately from an engagement 
that his last words seemed to avow did not make him happy and that probably he now repented the design was so consonant to the native heroism of eugenia that she consented with applause to aid its execution about half an hour which seemed to be prolonged to twenty times the duration of the whole day passed in terrible expectation edgar then appeared and eugenia suspending her earnest curiosity to comply with the acute feelings of her sister retreated camilla could scarce breathe she stood up her eyes and mouth open her face pale her hands uplifted waiting but not daring to demand intelligence edgar entering into her distress with a tenderness that drove from him his own eagerly satisfied her all he cried is safe the affair has been compromised no duel has taken place and the parties have mutually pledged themselves to forget the dispute tears again but no longer bitter flowed copiously down her cheeks while her raised eyes and clasped hands expressed the fervency of her thankfulness edgar extremely touched took her hand he wished to seize a moment so nearly awful to enforce upon her mind every serious subject with which he most desired it to be impressed but sorrow was ever sacred to him and desiring only at this period to console her this adventure he cried has now terminated so well you must not suffer it to wound you dismiss it sweet camilla from your memory at least till you are more composed no sir cried camilla to whom his softness by restoring her hope of an ultimately happy conclusion restored strength it ought never to be dismissed from my memory and what i am now going to say will fix it there indelibly edgar was surprised but pleased his most anxious wishes seemed on the point of being fulfilled he expected a voluntary explanation of every perplexity a clearance of all mystery i am sensible that i have appeared to you she resumed in many points reprehensible in some perhaps inexcusable inexcusable oh no never never the letters of sir sedley clarender i know you think i ought not to have received edgar biting his nails looked down and indeed i acknowledge myself in that affair a most egregious dupe she blushed but her blush was colourless to that of edgar resentment against sir sedley beat high in every vein while disappointment to his delicacy in the idea of camilla duped by any man seemed in one blow to detach him from her person by a sudden dissolution of all charm to his mind in the connection camilla saw too late she had been too hasty in a confession which some apologizing account should have proceeded but what her courage had begun pride now aided her to support and she continued for what belongs to that correspondence and even for its being unknown to my friends i may offer perhaps hereafter something in exculpation hereafter i say building upon your long family regard for though we part it will be i trust in amity part repeated edgar recovering from his displeasure by amazement yes part said she with assumed firmness 
it would be vain to palliate what i cannot disguise from myself i am lessened in your esteem she could not go on imperious shame took possession of her voice crimsoned her very forehead blushed even in her eyes demolished her strained energy and enfeebled her genuine spirit but the conscious taciturnity of edgar recalled her exertions struck and afflicted by the truth she had pronounced he could not controvert it he was mute but his look spoke keen disturbance and bitter regret not so low however am i yet i trust fallen in your opinion that you can wonder at the step i now take i am aware of many errors i know too that appearances have often cruelly misrepresented me my errors you might have the candour to forget and false appearances i could easily clear in my own favour but where and what is the talisman which can erase from my own remembrance that you have thought me unworthy edgar started but she would not give him time to speak what she had last uttered was too painful to her to dwell upon or hear answered and rapidly and in an elevated manner she went on i here therefore solemnly release you from all tie all engagement whatever with camilla tyrold i shall immediately acquaint my friends that henceforth we both are free she was then retiring edgar confounded by a stroke so utterly and every way unexpected neither answering nor interposing till he saw her hand upon the lock of the door in a voice then that spoke him cut to the soul though without attempting to stop her this then he cried camilla is your final adieu she turned round and with a face glowing and eyes glistening held out to him her hand i knew not if you would accept she said a kinder word or i should have assured you of my unaltered regard and have claimed the continuance of your friendship and even if your patience is not utterly exhausted of your watchful counsel farewell remember me without severity my own esteem must be permanent as my existence the door here was opened by miss margland and indiana and camilla hastily snatched away the hand which edgar grasping with a fondness of renovated passion secretly meant to part with no more till a final reconciliation once again made it his own but compelled to yield to circumstance he suffered it to be withdrawn and while she darted into the chamber of eugenia to hide her deep emotion from indiana who was tittering and miss margland who was sneering at the situation in which she was surprised he abruptly took leave himself too much impressed by this critical scene to labour for uninteresting discourse End of chapter 5 Read by Lars Rolander